Welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast, where we want you to find hope and encouragement from real people sharing their real stories. So here we go with your weekly dose of real talk, girl chat, and good vibes. Today we have our friend Maggie with us. Her journey is one we can't wait for you guys to hear. We're going to share about who she is, some struggles she's faced, and hope she is experiencing today. Awesome. Thank you, Maggie, for being here. We are excited to um, just get to know you a little bit more and let our friends also hear your story because I think it's important to be shared. So tell us, before we get into the um, other stuff, tell us sort of who you are, your family, that kind of thing, what you do. Yeah, um, I'm excited to be here. It was really exciting to get this opportunity, so thank you both for letting me um, come and share my story. But my name is Maggie, and I live in Jefferson with my husband. We will be married 15 years this year in December. Uh, we're high school sweethearts. We've known each other since middle school. So, um, But we have three kids, Josiah's 12 and going into seventh grade, and Mary will be 11 going into sixth grade, and then our youngest, Mackenzie's eight, and she's going into third grade. So um, very busy in sports, always going kind of family. So my husband's got a real estate business, and I do the marketing for him, and really any odd jobs he wants me to do, I'm kind of his <laughs> go-to person. Other than that, I stay at home, kind of run our house and run the kids, and um, I also write and blog on the side. And But yeah, that's me. I'm a preacher's kid. Uh, so kind of always got that little title, so I yes. think it kind of makes me who I am, but, um, but yeah, that's who I am. So. Awesome. I love that you said you're a preacher's kid, so mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about like childhood growing up in that, because um, one of my very best friends, she was, she mm-hmm. is a preacher's daughter. Mm-hmm. It was just funny to know her. And then also in church. Can you sort of mm-hmm. speak a little bit? Yeah. So I was born in Mexico. Okay. And when I was a little, a couple months old, um, almost a year old, we moved to Texas because there was a church in Texas that asked Dad to be their pastor. And so we were in Texas for a couple of years. And then when I turned eight, we moved to Georgia. And uh, we moved to Georgia because uh, Gainesville was starting a brand new Hispanic ministry because Dad was a Spanish pastor. And so we came to Georgia because of that. And it was a little different coming like deep into the United States, like being in Mm -hmm. Texas versus Georgia, Mm -hmm. and also being kind of the first person in my family to be in the American culture. It was also kind of hard, and my dad was very strict. So um, I was very, like, it was very strict home (laughs) growing up. But um, I also feel like being the firstborn, I was kind of the one to pave the way for my siblings, Mm -hmm. and so I got to experience not different parents, but I feel like they kind of relaxed. And I know as a parent of three, I've relaxed Mm -hmm. a little bit with each child, but, um, but we were in church all the time. And I feel like it made me kind of who I was. Um, I'm a type A kind of performance driven kind of person. And I really had to fight that growing up. But the older I get, the more proud I am to say I'm a preacher's kid, especially now that my dad's passed, Mm -hmm. because he did go through a lot of struggles and 
um, watching him and his faith journey was really amazing and to see the lives he touched because even though he was in Georgia he would do the Skype and do sermons to the little town that he you know that I was born in in Mexico where he was a preacher and so he used like all of the avenues he could use because he was too sick at times to leave the house he was a double amputee and he had a kidney transplant almost went blind I mean like it was for 10 years he was very sick um, but God allowed him to have a couple of healthy years to go back to Mexico and come back and then um, he was diagnosed with cancer and then passed away a year later but but it was funny because I was always known as kind of the wild child and I think being the preacher's kid when I went off to college I wanted to prove that I wasn't the goody good goody good girl because I was always the goody good girl and um, so that kind of let led me astray a little bit but it's no lie that you know, the Bible says if you instruct your kids in God's word and God's way, they'll come back to it. And mm-hmm. prayers, you know, dad's prayers, mom's prayers. So it really showed me that praying for your kids is very important. Oh, so, awesome. and yeah, and so I think it's just kind of made me who I am. And, and at times I was embarrassed because I was a preacher's kid. But then as I got older, mm-hmm. I'm kind right. of proud that I was yeah. a preacher's kid. So, but yeah, kind of made me who I was. I have heard Maggie speak before, and so when I heard her speak, I'm like, oh, I want her on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You shared about your journey with anxiety, mm-hmm. and so can you back up and tell us a little bit about, you know, when you first noticed that? Yeah, it's very crazy because growing up, I was not an anxious child. Like, I was, my on my bucket list was skydiving, and like, I love the roller coasters, and I was not afraid of anything, you know, and so it was very weird when it all came about, and really, it was after I graduated high school, um, I was dating my, my now husband, Joseph, and um, went to Brunel University, and got to move out of the house, and experience some freedom, and Um, all of that and so for the first three-ish years everything was great and then the spring semester of my senior no it was fall semester so my senior year fall semester I got a um, I went to open an account at a bank and the manager was opening my account and offered me a full-time job on the spot that paid probably what most teachers made mm-hmm. going in mm-hmm. um, and more with bonuses and so I kind of thought this is a great opportunity um, I was always very driven to succeed um, I was very performance driven do you know your um, Enneagram number? not yet I've, I've been looking I need to go yes I need to but I have taken um, I've taken a personality test that one of our small group leaders mm-hmm. did for us and um, it was really neat to see yes I am like that leader and I also mm-hmm. have they called it the woo factor that yes. um, basically it said what I was yeah. it was really weird because the guy that came to explain our results when he got to me he said I knew who you were from the moment you walked in the door and I was like yeah I was like whoa (laughs) and so it's funny because the ones that I've done they've all kind of matched so I'm sure that that one would match too but um but yeah so I was very performance driven and I was very successful at everything I did and so I got the lead part in the musicals I was first chair in band I played French horn if I tried out for something I made it and then I also the way I went to Bernal was I had a full ride and I was in you know I had to compete for it and I got it and 
So I wasn't used to failing, and I wasn't used to failure. And so when I started my senior year and that happened, I was president of my sorority. And if you've ever been in a sorority before, that's a full-time job. But so I decided to take it because I knew that Joseph and I would be getting married and um, we would want to buy a house and do all those things. And so um, I took it and decided to go to evening and weekend school with Brunel. So I started working eight to five and then I would go to school from like six to nine, I think it was. And that was very dumb because I had no time to do anything at all, not even to do my homework, and it was very stressful. Um, Joseph was going through the police academy at the time, so he was gone most of the day, all the time, and then we decided we wanted to get married in December, so I was planning a wedding. Um, Yes, so I was working full-time. I thankfully stepped down from being president because I thought I can't do it all. Um, Working full-time, going to school full-time, planning a wedding, and then also um, on top of that, I just felt like I had other things going on, but but the first time I experienced, I guess, a panic attack was I was headed, we had bought a house, that's the other thing we were doing. I was like, there was one other thing we were doing. (laughs) So, yes, one big other thing. (laughs) So we were buying a house on top of all of that, and um, I'm driving to the house because at the time I lived in Gainesville at the college, and our house was in Jefferson, and I got about halfway into the drive, and I started feeling kind of flushed, felt like I was going to pass out, throw up, didn't really know what was going on. And I thought, maybe I'm sick. Maybe something's going on. So I called Joseph, and I said, hey, I'm just going home. I'm going back home. I'm not going to come tonight. Um, you know, I'll talk to you later or whatever. And I went back to the sorority house, and I remember sitting there thinking, what is going on? Like, I just didn't know what was going on. And then life had gotten hard because of everything I was trying to accomplish, and I was feeling the stress of just finals and things like that. And um, I guess on finals week, I was at our new house, and I basically laid in the fetal position of our dining room crying with all of my notes spread out in front of me. Like, I remember everything, like papers everywhere, and I just laid there crying and I could not get myself up to go take my finals. And so I just didn't show up. So I ended up failing out because I didn't take my finals. Um, And so, of course, lost my scholarship. And um, it's so much that happened. And then after that, I was so embarrassed that instead of saying I'm withdrawing or instead of going to talk to them, I just shut it off. And I was like, I'm not going back. I'm so embarrassed. Um, I got this, you know, $90,000 scholarship and look what I did. Um, So then everything was fine because I said, you know, whatever, it's fine. I'll go back to school in a couple of years or next year. I'm going to get married. We're going to do what we need to do. Let's get life on. So that was, I guess, end of the semester. I got married December 11th. Everything seemed to be okay. And then in January, I started to feel real anxious. And I started noticing it by, like, we would go out to eat. And on our way home, I'd feel sick. And I just, I kept thinking, did I eat something wrong? Like, what's going on? And a lot of my anxiety messed with my stomach and so I would feel nauseated or feel like I was going to throw up so I began to kind of feel like 
when I'm driving, I have to be on the right side of the road because if I have to pull over because I'm sick, I need to be able to pull over. So, like, it's funny how when anxiety starts, the things that you start doing, like, then they become things that you have to Mm -hmm. do. And so it kind of fuels into that. And so I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was just something was wrong with my stomach. So I started going to the doctor, trying to figure it out. And he's like, I can't find anything wrong with you. So he finally, there was one, I think, lunch break. I went home and Joseph, well, I went to my parents' house. And Joseph, my husband, was there. And I'll never forget, I was sitting. I had to make it back because you only had lunch for an hour. And, or 30 minutes, I can't even remember. But I had to go back to work, and I couldn't bring myself to get back in my car. And I remember sitting on his lap just crying. And bless his heart, he he did, had no idea what he was getting into. <laughs> but he's like, he looks at me and he goes, I think you might be depressed. And I was like, depressed? And I remember looking at him, and I'm like, what is that? Like, I didn't even know what that was. Because I think at the time I was 21, you know, and never experienced anything mm-hmm. like that. And he goes, I talked to my mom, and I think maybe that's what's going on. And it's funny to hear his story now because he's like, I just wanted to run. Like, I didn't know what that was wrong. So yeah. Well, and tell he. Your spouse, like, I think. Yeah. yeah. And he said, he's like, he knew me as that happy Maggie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I look at my third daughter my child my third kid and she has my personality so it's really neat to see almost myself as a kid because she is Mm -hmm. just like I was Mm -hmm. he knew me as a kid so going from that to all of a sudden what is wrong with you like something's wrong with you um so after he said that I kind of thought well is that what's going on is that you know is that anxiety because back then it was so like taboo like you didn't right. speak of now it it's now it's everywhere but back then you 15 years ago you did not you know talk about that and my mom really didn't have any experience with it so she just believed in we're gonna pray we're gonna pray this thing out we're gonna pray it out and she would come to my house and she's like we're gonna pray this out say it with me you gotta declare yourself free of this and you know and and it wouldn't work and so it just got worse and worse. It got to the point where I couldn't be in large crowds. Um, I couldn't even hardly leave my house. So if I left my house to go to work um, with Joseph work at nights, at times I would only make it. So I lived in Jefferson, and my parents lived in Gainesville. So I would make it from Oakwood to Gainesville, which is kind of halfway. Mm-hmm. And I would just either make it to their house, and I would sleep in the bed with them because I was just so, I guess, anxious mm-hmm. and or I would have them, they would bring me home. So mom and dad would go to the bank, I'd ride home with mom, and my dad would drive my car home. Mm-hmm. And um, and it got to the point where Joseph finally had to say, like, you're my wife, I'm at mm-hmm. home, like, why are you staying at your parents' mm-hmm. house? You need to come home. And for a couple of years, and he admits that, I mean, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know how no, to didn't. even, no. you know. Nobody did. And no. if you don't experience that yourself, you, you don't, don't know, know. like, help somebody yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. handle it yourself because to him it was probably like what the heck is she yeah. going to stay uh-huh. in your parents house yep. you know? and he and she that's what he, like me anymore. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said he's like we get married and a month later you are falling apart he's like did I do something wrong <laughs> but um but it was also a journey that he you know he had to learn mm-hmm. and he had to realize that anxiety is not something that you're just going to snap out of it would be hard because I would he would notice that I was having anxiety or I was having a panic attack, and he would get upset because 
to him I would ruin our day because all of a sudden I either wanted to go back home or I would sit there kind of still and couldn't move hardly. Um, And he began to notice that when I felt anxious, I would press my chest with my fingers or if I had a, if I had like a, a necklace on I'd start to mess with it but I would press on my chest and so he would get so upset as soon as he saw me saw reach it. for my chest and it's funny because now like there'll be times where I'm just kind of messing with like my shirt or my collar yeah there's kind of are you okay what is going on I'm like oh and then it takes takes me a while I'm like babe I'm just messing with my necklace <laughs> yeah. he's like oh okay <laughs> Like, like it just for so many years he's yeah. like when you did that I knew something you know oh, was yes. coming but I I think being someone who's performance driven and being someone who succeeds at everything I and I am not one to let you see me fail I'm not one to let you see me upset like I'm very put together on the outside so I kept that hidden because I felt it was a weakness mm-hmm. and so if I was going through an anxiety attack for a long time you would not even know um, but I, we were going to mom and dad's church at the time and I sang in the worship choir and I remember there was one time where it hit me so hard I had to leave the stage like I was playing keys mm-hmm. and I had to just walk off the stage and wow. people were like what is wrong with you yeah. and I, I was like I'm sick I don't feel good yeah. and so people you know thought that was the case mm-hmm. and um, but that's kind of the beginning of that journey that's kind of how it all started and um, I had a doctor put me on some medication but it really didn't work so that was kind of I guess that's how my journey started that's where I noticed it yeah. I guess to begin with so so how long did mm. that last did it go into like when you were pregnant did oh, you yeah. have it also mm. and so I let's see we got married in 04 of December um and I didn't get pregnant with Jojo my first until spring of 06 because I had him in 07 so about two years I kind of fought fought it without kids but for two years I felt like I needed a child everybody around me was getting pregnant everybody Mm -hmm. was having babies at the time I felt like having them young was the thing I think now people are having them you know as they're a little older but um, I thought that if I just had a baby, that would that would make me all better. Like, if I just had a baby, if I just had a baby, I think I'll be better. Like, so for two years, um, we kind of tried to have kids, and um, and it just did not happen. And so I remember I've always been I journal all the time. I've journaled since I was a kid. And journals and journals of me talking about how, no, I'm not pregnant this month. And if I could only get pregnant, I think things would be better. And um, and so for two years, I felt like I fought anxiety on my own. Um, and then I got pregnant with JoJo in, I think it was like June of 06. And I don't know if it was the hormones. Well, the first 12 weeks were miserable. I was very nauseous. All day, every day. Like, I would call my dad on my way to work in the mornings just bawling because I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. I have to go to work. I don't feel good. And he'd just be like, just go to work. You'll be fine. It's a baby. Like, you're fine. Mm-hmm. So when I didn't get pregnant for two years, I I decided, you know what, I'm going to go. I had 18 credits to finish my bachelor's degree. That's all I lacked. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go finish my mm-hmm. bachelor's degree. Just get it done. Get it over with. And I decided to do it, and I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, and then I got real (laughs) sick. So then I thought, well, never mind. not going to do that this time. Um, But after the sickness wore off, I felt 
like human again. And I don't know if it was the extra hormones from being pregnant. Like I just loved, loved being pregnant um, with Josiah after the sickness wore off. Um, I don't know. It was a very just like fun experience, not totally fun, but you know, it was just, I felt, yes, I was very, mm -hmm, I was very happy, I Mm -hmm. think for the first time in a long time. And so I had him in February. And what's funny is I remember right before I had him, it was like, I had him in February. So it was like flu season. Everybody was sick. And Joseph had spent like the four weeks sick like he had bronchitis he had like all kinds of stuff going on and um and I didn't think anything of it but I remember his mom coming over one day and she said every she was a pediatric nurse so she's like everybody has the flu and this and that and I looked at her and I said the flu's contagious like that's how like naive I was you know and she's like yeah and I thought oh gosh and so then all of a sudden and I think a lot of my anxiety was fueled by fear of being sick or getting sick because that was what I When I was driving down the road, the first panic attack I had, I felt like I was going to throw up. Mm -hmm. And so I think that just kind of registered into, I'm driving down the road, I'm going to be sick. Mm -hmm. And so I spent so much time worried about, okay, well, let me not get sick. Let me not get this, Mm -hmm. you know, because then I can't drive. And so it was weird how all of those things kind of work together. And so I developed this like severe fear of sickness and So then I have a baby in the middle of flu season and, you know, not thinking my child could get sick. I was like, what, 24 years old having a kid? And, um, but then after I had him, it was so weird. I felt like I missed him inside me. Like I missed him in my belly Mm -hmm. and I felt so empty and I didn't realize I was going through postpartum. And um, and so I cried all the time. I mean, all the time. And I remember calling my, I couldn't even get a word out. I'd call my dad and I would hear him say hello. And I couldn't even say hello back because I was bawling. And he was so funny. He would be like, just bring that baby here and come stay here. And and Joseph's like, no, we have a home. (laughs) This is our home. We are staying at home. Like, you've got to figure out how to get through this. And I remember at my six-week appointment, and I told my doctor um, what was going on. He's like, why didn't you call me? Like, you're, it's postpartum. We could have given you something. I'm like, I don't don't know. know. I don't know any of this stuff. Like, people don't talk about this. And, um, And so he did give me some stuff, but I just never felt like it worked. Um, And it just, then I just had this constant fear of, I don't know. It was very weird. It was a very weird year because everybody talks about the instant connection with their child as soon as they're born. And I didn't have that with Jojo. And for the first even week, I didn't change a diaper like Joseph did it all for me because I was I, I felt like so just disconnected. Like I just wanted him. I wanted to be pregnant with him again because he made me feel so good. And all of a sudden I the anxiety was back. This depression was here. I didn't know what was going on. Yes. And someone said one day at church, um, years ago, she was talking about her journey with postpartum. And she said, honestly, if somebody would have come up to me and said, can I have your kid? I would have given it to them. And I told her, I said, oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying that because that's how I felt. Not that I didn't love him, but I just, 
it was so weird. It was like, I'm a mom to this child and I don't even know what to do with this mm-hmm. child. And, and I so, feel like that makes you feel, I don't have kids yet, but I mm-hmm. feel like that makes you feel like something's wrong with me if I don't want to mm-hmm. be with this baby every second yeah. and yeah. do everything for it. And, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. You feel like a horrible person. You're like, here I am. God's finally granted me this that I've prayed for for two years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do with it. But, um, but again, I just learned to mask it, and I learned to get through each day, even though um, most days were very hard. I just kind of learned to live with it. And um, I ended up getting pregnant with my second when I was, I think, nine months. I think JoJo was nine. They're 18 months apart. So it was a surprise because I thought it take, took two years with him. It's right. going to take a while. Yeah. It did yeah. not. <laughs> it did not. They're 18 months apart. And so here I go again, pregnant again, now with a baby. And so with her, it was different. I was sick almost every day. Like every day was different. Either I'd feel great or I wouldn't. So then it got to the point where I couldn't make plans because somebody would say, you want to go here? And I'm like, well, I don't know how I'm going to feel tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends back then. Um, I had my sister-in-law that I hung out with and my family, but that was about it. I didn't really know any mommy groups or anything like that mm-hmm. existed. So I was very much alone. And Joseph, um, we chose to for me to stay home because just health-wise, psychological-wise, I couldn't even work anymore. So we um, decided to move to Gainesville, and he was a police officer. And so we had we lived in apartments for free because he was like the courtesy officer. Mm-hmm. So we kind of did that. So we moved around a lot um, just because it kind of got a little unsafe there. Mm-hmm. So we moved somewhere in between, and then finally, we, you know, we found ourselves moving a lot. And then I had Mary and um, still battled anxiety every day. I mean, I don't think there was a day that went by that I didn't have some form of anxiety. I thought about it all the time. It just, it, I mean, it was just part of life, and I think it just became part of my life. Guys, isn't Maggie great? We wanted to take a quick break and thank Anna B. Photography for the fantastic images of us. We had so much fun on our adventure, snapping photos all around downtown. She's the sponsor of this episode and is offering our listeners a 20% discount off of a session. For details, head to our site and look at this episode's post. Thank you, Annabeth, for being the best and the wonderful images. Okay, now back to our episode with Maggie. Um, During this time, your parents are still praying for you, I'm sure, and just, oh, yeah. you know, building that relationship. And mm-hmm. okay. and I would, and they knew when, and because I'm so stubborn, instead of saying, okay, I'm having a panic attack, will you pray for me? I wouldn't let them know. I would fight it inside, and then, but I would call them. So, like, if I was on the road and I felt anxious, a lot of times Joseph couldn't answer. Um, he was working a lot of odd jobs just to you know make ends meet because you know police officers don't get paid Mm -hmm. a lot I would call my mom or my sister and they knew like they knew that okay Mm -hmm. she's you know she needs to talk to to somebody we'll talk to somebody which is funny because last week when I had a panic attack out of nowhere I called my mom and I just talked to her and she never knew what was going on I never told her Mm -hmm. um but she her conversation just got me through Mm -hmm. through getting she got me home (laughs) and then I was good but um so that's 
you know, that would help just talking to people. I remember my sister-in-law coming over one day, and this might have been before kids because she's kind of, you know, she's dealt with depression herself. But she came over, and I remember her just getting me out of the house to go to Real Deals. Mm -hmm. But while I was there, I was, like, ready to go home. I was like, I need to go home. But she came and helped me. I remember she came into my closet, and there was, like, clothes all over the place. And she's like, oh, Mackie. And I'm like, "Mm, I haven't done laundry in a while. And so she kind of helped me, you know, Stuff like that. So it's little things that I don't even think people realize they were doing um, that helped. But um, after I had Mary, I guess about, she was about 18 months old, maybe, maybe a little younger. No, she might have been nine months, a year old. I decided to go back to work. And Joseph was a police officer, like I said, and, um, you know, they have to go to court at times. And so one of the um, ADAs, had mentioned they were looking for a grant position for a bilingual person and so I was hired on as that and I kind of felt you know maybe I can handle this I, I can go back to work and um, put the kids in daycare and started working at the courthouse as a vic- victim's advocate but then I started to feel the anxiety get worse and so it would be hard because once you're in that court and I, I was bad in like areas where I felt I couldn't get out mm-hmm. so like a courthouse you walk into it and it's going to take you a while to go outside Mm -hmm. and so I would feel or like if you're in a courtroom for a trial like you're in there until everybody's done like there's not set yes Uh and being a scheduled type a person like I have to have like I'm here from here to here you know Mm -hmm. at times and it's stuff that I have to you know work on but but that's when Joseph finally said you've got to get some help like it's been too long it's you know, by this time it had been a couple, you know, five years, maybe mm-hmm. four years. Um, and he says, I, I think you need to, you know, you need to get some help. And so I started kind of looking around and, um, the only place I knew was to get it from a psychiatrist. And so then here I am going to go see a psychiatrist. I feel like, you know, I'm like, okay, but it was getting to the point where it just interfered with my life. And, where it got worse, I think, was when I started, I would tell people, I feel like I'm going crazy because I talk to myself all the time. Like, it, you have a conversation in your mind with yourself all the time of trying to calm yourself down or trying to think of scenarios. And um, But then when I started kind of thinking, you know, I just, I, would, I remember praying and asking God, I'm like, you know what, just just take me because I think that we would all be better off without me like family would be better off like I would be better off like I never thought of ways of committing suicide or anything like that thank the Lord but I did but yeah I was kind of like why don't you just do it because but I just it got to the point where I felt like life was just really hard and I didn't want to be here anymore um just because I needed that relief like I've you know, fought this for so long. I'm tired. Like you just get so tired. Um, it's exhausting. And so, um, I finally, that's when I was like, you know what? I think I do need to see somebody. And so I saw a psychiatrist for a couple of months and she did put me on some medication. And, um, I know there's such a controversy about meds and things like that. Um, but finishing up my degree in, uh, in psychology, I've learned so much. And to me, medication was what I needed to make my mind be still. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that allowed me to just 
still my mind and my thoughts and allowed me just to think and to process life because I don't think that I was ever present. I was always in my head. You were always fighting, mm-hmm. like your fight and flight mentality. Oh, yeah, like, always. And so she did that, and then she had me see a counselor on top of seeing her, and I worked through a lot of my problems. Like, I got to talk to her, and that's where I kind of found out, okay, I'm a type A performance-driven, very successful kid, and then all of a sudden I fail Mm -hmm. college. And I, to me, that failure was what I think started it all. Mm -hmm. And because I would have been the first one to graduate college from my family, not giving my dad that honor, you know, I guess in quotations, was very, um, like, very, I guess, unsatisfying to me. Like, that's all I wanted to do. And I think throughout my whole life, all I wanted was my dad to be proud of me. And so to me, that would have been like the ultimate thing, you know, to graduate college and to have him, you know, see. And because he didn't make, you know, he always made that known that he couldn't wait until his kids graduated college. And so I always felt that was a goal. And I think that failing out of college and just having a couple of years of feeling like a failure, um, because then I quit my job because of anxiety and things like that, um, just kind of fed into all of it. And so then it became so many different emotional issues and things that you had to fight through and go through and talk through. So um, that helped. And I did that for a couple of years. Um, No, not a couple of years. I think I... I met with her not even a year because then I got pregnant with Mackenzie and we did not expect her at all. And so the really neat thing is that I think Mackenzie to me was God's way of showing me that I was okay because he allowed me to experience pregnancy and motherhood without the anxiety that I had and so and I guess that's kind of further down the the story but um but yeah but once I got help I got pregnant with Mackenzie um I was still on medication and then 12 weeks into the pregnancy I had some bleeding went to the doctor found out I had a hematoma and then I had placenta previa so I was very high risk and had to be on like very strict bed rest. So I ended up having to, Joseph had just left the police department to start his own business. Um, and we had felt comfortable with him doing that because I was working, it turned from a grant position to a full-time job. So I actually had health insurance on my end. So we thought it's a great time. His dad had passed away. Um, and his dad owned a locksmith business in commerce. And so Joseph would work with his dad ever since he was a kid. And, um, and so after his dad passed away, he felt like he needed to carry on the locksmith business, but at the time we just couldn't do it. Um, so when my job turned into a full-time job and I was able to have health insurance through, uh, through my side, we felt, you know, cause he only did it part-time with the police and it kind of mm-hmm. started to pick up and do well. And so he got to the point where he's like, I've got to either quit my job as a police officer or I, I need to, you know, we need to decide what we're going to do. And so... Um, we're like, this is perfect. Let's just, you know, I'll keep working. You can start the business. Well, then I get pregnant. Then I get placed on bed rest. Well, I'm newly hired full time. So I don't have paid like time off. I don't have vacation days. So all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm making no money and I still have my job. Thank God. But, um, he has a brand new business he's starting. And so, um, 
that was all God. He got us through that. And so he's working nonstop, just trying to, you know, make sure he's making money. And his mom um, is helping us. Like, she would drive from work, pick up my kids from daycare and bring them to me, help us get baths, go home, help with dinner. Um, And then my mom would do it on the weekends because at the time um, my dad was real sick. And so mom was having to take care of dad. And so so on the weekends, her and dad would come over and help with the kids and help with us. And and then during the week, Joseph's mom would help us. And so I was on, on bed rest from about August till November. And that's only because I begged my midwife to take me off bed rest. Um, But during that pregnancy, I felt that the medication was what caused my hematoma, which it wasn't. And, you know, my midwife was like, Maggie, it's a very low dose. That's not what caused it. And I'm like, I know, but it's the only thing I'm doing different. Um, So I cut it cold turkey. Like, and normally they tell you to wean off that stuff. And, um... And I just said, no, I'm not taking it. Like, if this is what's happening, I'm not taking it. And so I quit taking it, and I've not taken it ever since. And that was nine years ago. And so I think that it's funny because now I see the side effects that I went because I had ended up with vertigo while I was pregnant. Yes, but what's funny is I thought all of the side effects were just pregnancy things. <laughs> like, I'm like, so I kind of feel, thought, I'm vertigo. I have vertigo. I have this. I have that. I have. That. I remember going to the car- cardiologist because they're trying to figure out. My blood pressure was kind of all over yeah. the place. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and so I got through the pregnancy and through all of that, and I feel like in a way that helped me wean off of the mm-hmm. medication. Um, but then uh, when I had Mackenzie... I experienced that instant connection with her and that instant love. And at first I felt very, like, I felt very bad because I hadn't experienced that with the others. But then I, it was almost like I was able to love them in a new way. And I don't know, it was like I came out of this fog and um, I was able to really just enjoy being a mom. And so I felt like Mackenzie was like my second chance, but it also made me appreciate the other two at the same time. But anyways, after my last appointment, my midwife's like, I'm writing you a prescription. Like if you feel sad or feel anything, it's here for you, ready to go. And, um, and so I was like, okay. But, um, and it was funny because the very first outing by myself with all three, we went to Target. That was always, once a week, I got to go to Target. That was my outing with them. And I would go with a double stroller, and I'd carry McKenzie in a carrier. I, like, I probably looked ridiculous. But, um, there you look like But anyway, so they, um, so I, I came home from Target. I was completely overwhelmed, and I popped one of those pills because I was like, oh, my gosh, this is awful. <laughs> but, but then when I got to thinking, I thought, I'm okay. And I thought, wait a minute. That was normal anxious. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's normal anxiety, well, and then there's, children. yes. Yeah. I gotta, yes, I'm <laughs> yeah. a mom with three under four. Like, of course I'm going to be anxious. <laughs> and so, like, I think that day was kind of like a day where I saw the difference of, this is normal anxiety. This is not normal anxiety. And so I just had to kind of, um, knowing the difference, I thought, no, I don't, I don't need the meds. I'm okay. And so I just continued on. And, um, yeah, and so then 
I still experienced, you know, bouts of it. We didn't travel much, but we started traveling more. Um, And I remember being so anxious as we traveled and slowly getting there, you know, and I feel like those little victories are reminders in the future so that when the next trip you take, you're like, well, last trip I made it and I was fine. We got there. Everything was fine. But there's just so much even within those years, you know, people that reached out to me when I started to be more vocal about it Mm -hmm. and God placed people in my life to minister to. And so I feel like that helped me a lot too. Mm -hmm. Also, one of the things that I did, I had this little pocket Bible and I wish I still had it, but I actually gave it to somebody who was facing anxiety. Um, And I had a little leather pocket Bible. And anytime I would read a verse that would say something about anxiety or fear, I would start outlining it or Mm -hmm. highlight it. And, um, and so that Bible was like, it went in my purse, it was in my car. Like anytime I felt like I needed it, I'd pull it out, I'd start reading it. Um, and I just really, honestly, that's all I thought to fill my brain with was God's word because Mm -hmm. like, yes, you can pray it gone, but I don't know, maybe sometimes I feel like God chooses not to take it away completely because there's a reason, you know, I think about, you know, Paul and the, you know, thorn in his side or whatever. And, and so that's kind of just how I kind of coped with it. Um, but there was also a lady at our church, um, and this was, I think before McKenzie, this was back when I was like going through it. When I finally opened up, um, and asked for prayer, and, and it was right around the time where I just kind of felt like life would be better without me. Um, I finally, I think, opened up and said, like, this is what I'm going through. I just need help. Like, I need people to pray for me. And I think for so long I fought it inside that I didn't realize I need to vocalize this mm-hmm. because the enemy will wants you to keep it hidden. He doesn't want you. Yes, you're right. so trapped. And so once I started talking about it, I felt like slowly... I've released it and not only that like people would be like well I feel like that too sometimes and so then you feel I'm not alone I'm not because for so long I feel like a weirdo I'm like I'm this weirdo you're not you yeah. know I'm not like yeah. I just I felt like what is wrong with me and um but there was a lady at her church and um her name was Beth and she just she gave me a book Beth Moore getting out of the pit I think it's called I mean she wrote it years ago She gave me this book, and she said, this book helped me through a really tough time in my life. And she said, if you ever need me, just text me or call me. And she said, I promise, any time. And so there would be times where I would wake up in the middle of the night with just anxiety or a panic attack, and I would text her. And it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I would get a response from her. And I'd be like, I'm praying right now. Or she'd send me a Bible verse, or she'd do something to me. And so um, I remember giving that book back to her one day and just thanking her. And she she told me that it was perfect timing because she felt that she needed to read it at the time because she was going through something. So... um, so I've done the same with people that I've ministered to. And, you know, I've told them, you know, anytime, any day, because I know at night you'll wake up and you're in the middle of a panic attack and don't know what's going on. And God's been able to allow me to be what she was to me to others. And so helping others through that too, I think, has helped me get through it. Mm-hmm. But I guess the biggest thing, and I don't know if I shared this before, but 
when Mackenzie was a baby, after I had her, things were very good. I was feeling normal again. And um, we had gone to church one day, and the pastor talked about being saved and how, um, you know, it's not about a prayer you do as a little kid. It's not about, it's about like a full just choice of giving your life to Christ and allowing him to walk forward with it, you know. And and God slowly began to work in my life, and I kept, because for so long I thought, like, Joseph would say things like, you say things, and I just, are you, like, not that he's like, I don't want to be rude, but like, are you sure you love Jesus? You know, like he'd be like, mm. he'd think, <laughs> he's like, yes, yeah. let's talk about that. <laughs> but for a long time, I felt like a, I started, I felt like God kind of started working in my life. And um, I finally realized one day that I had said a prayer as a little girl. And I remember going down the road as I was older and I would tell mom, I'm like, I'm so scared if I die. Like, I'm so scared. And mom's like, well, honey, just pray. I mean, you know, you don't need to be scared. You've asked God into your heart. And But as I got older, um, during that time, I thought something's just not right. Something's just not right. And one day in my car going down the road, I just asked God to come into my heart. And I, you know, I was almost, I guess I was in my late 20s and I was a preacher's kid. And and I was like, and I remember coming home and I told Joseph, I said, oh my gosh, because I would lay on the floor and I would just pray, like, what is wrong? I don't feel connected to you. Something's going on. And I just realized I had believed in this prayer that I, was, I had done as like a five-year-old. I think I was four or five, like I barely even remember it. And I thought that prayer was what saved me. And so really thinking that was not, like I had to choose to give, you know, my life to Christ and I had to truly choose to follow him and say okay here's my life you do with it as you please I had never done that before and so when I did that it was like instantly my life was changed instantly I knew if I die today I'm going to heaven and everything is going to be okay well then I remember the pastor saying I shared that experience with him and he goes well have you been baptized you know baptism comes after and I thought my dad baptized me I can't do that to my dad Um, and at the time dad you know had lost both of his legs and he couldn't get into baptismal or he didn't have the strength to really baptize a lot of people and um, but I remember writing my dad this long letter because I'm just better at writing (laughs) and I wrote him this long letter and I told him what had happened what happened and I said you know, I felt like for so long I thought that that prayer saved me, and it didn't. But I just didn't want my mom and dad to feel like they had failed mm-hmm. because here they are, their pastors and their grown-up daughters saying I was never saved, yeah. you know. Um, and I think my mom kind of took it a little hard, but she had to realize, like, you know, I understand. But my dad never did. My dad, his response was, I just want you to be certain. And so I, I knew, you know, and I was like, well, I am, I'm certain. But I know what a relationship with Christ looks like because of you and mom. And you were my example. And I wanted that for me. And so he was fine. He knew I was getting baptized. And I, he couldn't be there because, you know, he was a pastor. So he had to be at his church. And um, and so I got baptized and um, got experienced that, and I feel like that was kind of like the turning point for my life forward. And I went back to school with little kids. I, you know, I did the online school, finished finished up my bachelor's in psychology, and and that was another like life changing because 
as I took each class, because it was a Christian, it was Liberty University, so you had to take some Christian classes, I felt like going through the classes was almost like going through therapy. And it made me, like, go back to childhood, figure out why I was why I was, and it allowed me this just healing process. And um, it helped me cope. It helped me figure out ways of, you know, so that was... It was funny because had I gone back to school back when I planned it, when right. JoJo, before I had JoJo, I would have just continued business marketing. You would have but, all mm-hmm, that, right? but now, like where I was, I'm like, I want to do psychology. And so I was able to kind of split it and do like business and psychology because I had so many business credits. And then I got a certificate in Christian counseling. So I just felt like that was God's plan all along. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was able to kind of heal through that process too. And, um, and so that's kind of, I guess, where my healing journey began and is. But I was going to read um, a little bit of one of Maggie's blog posts. It says, This morning as I read, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way by Lisa Turkers, the following spoke so much truth. If you have ever experienced an unexpected darkness, a silence, and a stillness mm-hmm. that you're not used to, Know that these hard times, these devastating disappointments, these seasons of suffering are not for nothing. They will grow you. They will shape you. They will soften you. And they will allow you to experience God's comfort and compassion. And she says, our hardships, our disappointments, they are not for nothing. God is molding us and preparing us for his purpose. And it also takes us doing our part. It says, it takes us saying, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes me, I want you. And I just loved that. Mm -hmm. I feel like your whole story... Mm -hmm. Like that just summarizes everything mm-hmm. that you've gone through, your mm-hmm. hardships, and now to come out and be able to help other people yeah. and let them know they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to that person who might be in the midst of like that deep, dark anxiety right now that you could help? Um, I think the biggest thing is to find somebody that you can talk to. You know, like I, we said earlier, the enemy wants you mm-hmm. alone and wants you to be quiet about what's going on inside of you. And I think that um, for so long, that's what I live. That was my reality, like just alone and just in a pit by myself, um, thinking I'm the only one going through this, you know. And so um, my biggest thing is, number one, you know, do you for sure know Jesus and who he is? And, um, And if you don't, then find someone who can tell you about him and, you know, choose him and choose to follow him. Cause I feel like without him, I just, I would have never gotten through what I got through. And the other is find that person who can just be there for you at three o'clock in the morning when you need to text them, you know? And once you do like fill yourself with other people, I, for so long I was by myself and I stayed by myself and I wish that I would have just gotten around some friends because I think I would have realized how not alone I was Mm -hmm. and how so much of my anxieties and fears are the same as other moms and other new moms and um and I think that could have helped maybe a little bit um but that's my biggest thing and stay in his word every day like that's what kept me going every day. And even as my kids have grown up, um, I, we've battled anxiety with my two older ones. And when JoJo was going through his, you know, Isaiah 41.10 got written on his hand every day, every single day with a black permanent marker. And, um, and so it just, you know, it's powerful. God's word is there and it's powerful and the promises he gives us to be with us and to not be afraid. Um, they are true. And I've, I've, 
learned those through experiences and um but yeah I mean I feel like we see hardships as um bad things and they are bad things but when we see ourselves come out of them and we see ourselves as who we are um after them you realize why you went through them and so um I've learned to just have this trust in God that everything's going to be okay. And so at times my husband's become kind of the worrier now, and I've been more of the, it's going to be fine. God's going to do it. I know it. And I think it's because you learn God and you learn a different aspect of him. You learn a different trait about him um, depending on the things that you go through. And so um, just seek God first and seek people around you like people that are god-fearing find you a prayer warrior you know someone who is going to pray for you um that would be like my number one number two Mm -hmm. i like that you said that that there's so many what you were feeling was what so many other people were Mm -hmm. feeling and it is the enemy that tells us you're the only one that's Mm -hmm. feeling this or you're a weirdo like you said you (laughs) know and there's so many other people that are thinking the same Mm -hmm. thing as you that I can't let people know I feel like this, mm-hmm. especially in the church. I feel mm-hmm. like it's such a, you know, when you said that about your husband saying, I think you might be depressed. Mm-hmm. And so many people think of depressed as like you're laying in bed all mm-hmm. day and just, but you can live mm-hmm. a normal life and be depressed. Mm-hmm. But it's because you're taught to kind of just oh, push yeah. that down, mm-hmm. you know. So I like that you said that. And that's what our purpose of this podcast is for people to know that they're not mm-hmm. alone. No. Um, well, before we let you mm-hmm. go, we want to ask a fun question. Mm-hmm. So tell us something that you're loving right now, something that you're reading or trips or anything mm-hmm. like that that you just want to share with everybody. Um, well, reading, I'm loving the Own Your Every Day um, by Jordan Dooley. Well, she's like 25, yes. I think. Uh-huh. And I'm learning stuff. <laughs> I like, know. That's old. I know. I'm like, good so grief. Nice. I know. And it's just, um, I've. And I've just kind of started her book because um, I was reading the Lisa Turkist yes, book. Yes. Um, and it's funny because I always get frustrated with myself. I love to read, but I read in spurts. Mm-hmm. Like I'll read, Same. I'll sit there and be all into this book, and then I'll drop it for a couple weeks, and then I'm back into Jeez. it. And But every time I feel like I'm reading it when I'm supposed to be reading. Like mm-hmm. this chapter was meant for me to read today. And um, I just really feel like... Um, God uses that to to show you, like, you're reading what you're reading today for a reason. But I'm loving this book, and I think I just love it because, um, I don't know, I see a lot of myself in her, and and so I'm even learning from her. I'm really loving that book right now. Um, and then we're entering our traveling season, so we just got back from Hilton Head. We love Hilton Head. Um, my husband and I did like a two-day trip, but I'll leave Saturday to Panama City with some girlfriends, and then the our best. yeah. <laughs> I've never ever left my husband and my kids. I've left him and have taken the girls. Last year we did a trip. My friend and I we went with our kids, mm-hmm. and then this year we said no kids. So mm-hmm. we will go down there on Saturday, and then the boys and the kids will join us the, that like oh, Thursday good. or Friday, yes. and then we'll stay that additional week. Oh, um, I'm jealous. So yeah, so that's always that's a fun, fun time in the summer, yes. and um, so pray for my kids and my husband. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what's fun right now. But. I really honestly, what I'm loving now, um, 
I'm really just loving the stage of life my kids are in. Um, I remember when they were babies and we would sit around, my husband and I would think, oh, can you imagine when they're 12, 10, and 8? Like, that seems like so far away. And now here we are. Like, I've got, you know, two middle schoolers and one going into third grade, and I cannot even believe it. But um, but I'm enjoying just the season. Like, they, they're busy in sports, which is fine to me. You know, we go all the time. But um, I'm loving being a mom. And not that I've never, ever loved being a mom, but I feel like, um, yes, the – the struggles are different and yes, you know, things, you know, it, it may be easier to think, um, she's crying cause she needs a bottle versus she's crying because of a friendship or a heartbreak or something. So I know that hard times are coming, you know, just different hard times, yes. but I've really just enjoyed, um, enjoyed them lately and just being able to kind of be their mom and, um, and then I'm just enjoying kind of being back at work with Joseph, my husband, and helping him with marketing and all of that. Um, it's just a really, I guess, very grateful time in my life. You know, we lost my dad a couple years ago, and for so many years of him being sick, it was always doom and gloom, bad news after bad news. And, um, and then uh, within the past year, my um, sister had been trying to get pregnant for seven years, and she had a baby. Oh, wow. um, and so Mila Jean is her name, and she's six months old, and um, she came, like, at the right time. My kids adore her. We all adore her. And then my brother got engaged, and he's getting married July 20th. So um, lots of, like, good happening for our family yes. and it's bittersweet bitter that dad's not here um but very sweet almost a um kind of a you know rainbow yeah. after the rain mm-hmm. um so that's just kind of life right now so it's very busy but um just embracing the busyness of life so yes. mm-hmm. so good well thank you so much for being here and you guys can follow maggie on instagram and facebook mm-hmm. we'll put her handles in the show notes and we just thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure that you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any new exciting episodes.